Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Man, so fun being here this morning with you. Welcome to July, the hottest month ever. It's so hot out there. I don't know. Are you sweating? I, I was sweating setting up this morning. And uh, with all of our DR folk out, we didn't have many to set up. And so I wore a T-shirt. But I also wore a T-shirt because it says hope. And I bought this T-shirt to sponsor these guys. And so maybe some of you also participated in buying a T-shirt and uh, helping these guys out and sending them over there and being a part of it. And so anyway, we hope that you had um, that you're having a great morning. If you haven't visited our <clears throat> visited our cafe, I would encourage you to do that. It is legit today and uh, as it is most days. And I'm so thankful because my dad and my wife baked in the cafe. And so so if you're wondering why I'm a little heavy in life, it's because of those two. And they bake often, and so that's my, that's my problem. We've been in this series called Disciple, Be One, Make One, and we only have two more weeks left in this series before we start a new series in August, which I'm really excited about, and we'll tell you more about that next week. But here we are, um, two weeks left to tell you all that you need to know on discipleship. That is not overwhelming, is it, at all? And so we heavily believe in making disciples at our church. And so what is a disciple? We've been defining this um, every, every week. And I want you to right now tell your neighbor what is a disciple. What is a disciple if you become? And if you're a guest this morning, you just sit there and stare at me awkwardly. That would be awesome. Thank you, guests, for being here. We love you. Well, hopefully you did that um, by now because it's a real simple, simple definition. A disciple is somebody who's growing in three different relationships, three different relationships, relationship with God, relationship with those who are like-minded in faith of Jesus, and those who, who may not have placed any faith in Jesus. Three different relationships that you're growing in, and to be a well-rounded disciple, you must grow in all three of those relationships, all three of those relationships. We've been encouraging you to do that every single Sunday. Now, I have, I have made a disclaimer that this series is mostly for those who claim to know Jesus. That's really what this series was, was intended to do. And, and we did it in the summer purposely because um, not many visitors or guests come during the summer. And so I wanted to talk to our core. I wanted to talk to those who place their faith in Jesus. But don't you worry because maybe you are a guest this morning or maybe you've been coming for some time and you, don't, you haven't placed faith in Jesus. Then I think this is a great opportunity for you to understand and check out what we do here and what we're about and what, what discipleship is. And so when you hear that Christian knees, because discipleship is a very Christian, Christianese word. If you look it up in Webster, you won't probably won't find it. I don't know if that's true or not. Somebody can check me, but it's it's not very common, and so it's an insider language. And I'm, I'm defining an insider language for us so that you can begin to live it out. And as you are, enter into this discipleship process, that you could use that insider language to help people understand what it means. And so. So if you are a guest this morning, we hope that you enjoy the coffee uh, and your comfortable chair. And if you happen to take a little snooze, it's okay. The pastor will not embarrass you this morning. 
Ephesians chapter 4 is where we'll be this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your notes, you can follow along. And we will be in several different scriptures today. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13. It says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood or womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. When each part is worked properly, working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love, builds itself up in love. And so I want to expound on this scripture and some other scriptures for you this morning on what it is in our discipleship process. Our discipleship process has four parts. Everybody say engage. Okay, say it like you're engaging. Everybody say engage. Engage. Everybody say establish. Everybody say equip. Equip. I want to talk to you about equipping today, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. When I grew up, I love to build stuff. I love to do different things like that. And my dad always told me, you have to have the right tools if you're going to build correctly or properly. Uh, without the right tools, it's just, it's just really hard to build or do things properly. Have you ever tried to change a tire with one of those little jacks that's, that's you're trying to crank it and it's just falling over immediately? You're like, why can't they just put one of those discount tire jacks up in my car? I just Took it out by the trunk. It's three pumps and I'm done. Why can't they just do that? No, they put this little thing and, and there's lawsuits everywhere because cars are falling on people. It's crazy. Or, or maybe maybe you, you love tools. Maybe you're like the tool guy. Uh, back in the 90s, Tim the Tool Man Taylor was real big. Anybody remember him? Anybody born? Okay, thank you. I see that hand. You and me are in this room alone. And so Tim the Tool Man Taylor, it was all about, man, big tools, power tools, loved, loved these tools, and it was awesome, man. I loved it. But, but you know, sometimes, so you have the guy who doesn't have the right tools, and then you have the guy who has too much power. You know, like crazy power tools where, where his wife wants him to hang pictures up in the house, and he hooks up the compressor hose, pulls out the nail gun, and he's like, boom, right there. That's the kind of guy I want to be in life. I just could confess, with my shirt off and a six-pack would be preferable. Just saying. Man, discipleship is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And discipleship is the process of disciples making disciples. Those who are growing in three relationships, helping other people grow in three relationships. That's what it is. And, and we need to be equipped as disciples. We need to be equipped. And my number one job as a shepherd and teacher over Luminous Church, my number one job is to equip you for the work of the ministry so that you can do ministry. It's not for me to, to go on every 
um, sick phone call. It's not for me to pray for everyone. It's not for me to, to spoon feed you the word every, every day of your life. It's, that would be exhausting, and God knew that. That's why he didn't set it up as that. It's for me to equip you so that you would have the right tools. Now, I will say this. We, we are a church startup. If you didn't know that, we're a church startup. It's why sometimes uh, maybe I don't speak the best because I haven't been doing it the longest. It's it's maybe why why not everything runs perfectly, and I actually love it. I love the fact that we aren't all perfect. I love the fact that that we can mess up and make mistakes, and we still love each other, and we still hug each other, and it's okay. I love that. But we're a church startup, so I'm not claiming I'm not going to be giving you a ton of power tools. There's not a ton of power tools that I'm going to be giving you to to be able to frame houses and different things like that. But I do hope that I would give you enough tools to do what God has called you to do specifically so that you could do ministry and feel confident in it as you go, as you go. In our process, I don't want to leave anybody on the sidelines. In our process of discipleship, it, it involves all of us. It takes all of us. I've shared this before. We have, a, we have a 9 to 10 ratio of people serving in our church. 90% of people in our church are serving on Sunday morning, throughout the week, leading groups, discipling, meeting with other people, doing life together. It's incredible how many people chip in to make this happen. And it's really my hope that we would leave no one on the sidelines. That anybody who wants to get involved, anybody who wants to do ministry, would would be empowered to do ministry. It is really our hope. And so so this this is my job is to equip you for ministry, which is your job. Your job is ministry. Say, my job is ministry. Tell your neighbor, your job is ministry. Tell your other neighbor, minister to me. Go ahead. Lay hands. Okay, just kidding. Your job is, is ministry, and my job is to equip you, and I want to, I want to completely furnish you in every way. Equip, that word means to completely furnish you, to give you, to give you everything that you need. I remember being a, a broke college student, not having much to my name, and then when I moved out of my parents' house, I was 23 years old. That's an, old. that's an old age to move out. 23 years old, I go to this, I go to this apartment, and I have nothing, man. I have nothing, and, and there's no furnishing. And so my brother felt sorry for me, so he gave me a bed. And I, I was so grateful for that. And what I realized, man, it was really hard to have people over. I was a youth pastor trying to invite kids over. We're sitting on the floor. We're playing Big Turtle. We're doing all this stuff. It's really fun. Man, we, we were doing all these things, and it was great, but it was so hard to host people without the right furnishing. I mean, if they wanted something to drink, just stick your head over the faucet, turn it on. Okay, good, good. Awesome. Well, over time, I started to gather stuff. Over time, I started furnishing my apartment and was able to host people a lot better. Now, I wouldn't say it was the best furnishing job. I mean, in fact, the, the way I found couches is we drove down alleys until we found one that looked okay. Like, oh, I don't think any homeless people slept on that one. Let's grab that one. And so, so I would do that. I had a couple couches like that. That was awesome. And, and I began to have a place where I could host people well. And, and I think that's, that's really what, what God has intended is that you would be equipped to, to host people well, to do ministry. And that's the word is to be fully furnished um, so that you could do ministry. And 
What I love about our church is our church has has taken this um, real. They, they've just taken ownership of this discipleship process. This past week, um, one of the persons in our, our congregation, Mason, had an epidectomy. Is that how you say that? Epidectomy, appendicitis, and uh, and got that out. And so. The staff, I, I go up and I pray for them and I bring J Tom and I bring Ashley. And, and it's like we get paid to do this. So we're, we're paid to be here, Mason, but we're going to pray with faith. But what was awesome is um, we came back that night, dropped off something, prayed with them again in, in, in our heads. I don't think we did it out loud. And, and we were just there encouraging him, loving him. And as we were leaving, here comes Chase and Alyssa walking up. And Chase and Alyssa were coming to visit Mason as he was in the hospital to pray for him. And I was blown away by that because what happened is the thing that, that every pastor so desires, that, that the people who sit in the chair in a theater are going to do ministry without even being asked. It's awesome. They just owned it and they started doing it. And I believe the big idea this morning is that Luminous would equip you to do ministry And I would say our process for equipping you is relational discipleship. Relational discipleship is really the process of how we go about doing this. I've always believed in relational discipleship. Relational discipleship. I believe that you are best trained when when in your J-O-B with your job when you're doing OJT on the job training. How many of you know that? How many know how many have a real job in here? Awesome. Okay, great. Half of us do. Okay. So, so all of us have real jobs. I think, I think uh, stay-at-home mom is a real job. And so uh, my wife could even raise her hand because that's a real job. There you go, baby. I got you. But how many, how many of you know, like, when, when you first go to the job, you, you sit in a classroom and you start learning about this organization that you're working with? They teach you the mission. They teach you the values. They, they teach you policies and procedures. You, you, start, you read manual after manual, and most of you have taken computerized tests, testing you on the information that you just retained. But how many know it, it's not really any, it, 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 it's not really a job. It's not, you don't really understand it until you get on the job and you start getting dirty. How I many you know that's true? Like, I can learn in theory all about nursing. I can, I can study the books. I can do all these things. I can, I can sit after lecture, after lecture, after lecture, but not until I'm actually in the hospital room, not until I'm actually practicing it, not until actually on-the-job training happens do I really understand what this is about. And I believe that if we're going to equip people for ministry, we need on-the-job training. It's one thing for me to tell you how to do it. It's one thing over, over the last seven weeks I've been telling you how to do discipleship. But, but, but it's, it's one thing if um, I just do it with you, which I think is very appropriate. But then I got to watch you do it. And then I just got to entrust you and let you do it. It's the, greatest, it's the greatest training strategy ever. If you're a manager in here, you know that because that's what you do. You tell them how to do it. You do it with them. You watch them do it. And then you let them do it. Right? Isn't that, how we, isn't that how we train people? That is our discipleship training. Our discipleship training. And I think the first thing in our discipleship process to be equipped, you must be available. Everybody say, be available. Be available. You have to be available in the discipleship process. You have to be available. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I love 1 Samuel chapter 3. I love 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's so good. 
On-the-job training is ministering together. And who are you bringing with you? Who are you raising up? In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it's a beautiful picture of discipleship. It's a beautiful picture of discipleship, and throughout the Bible, we read about discipleship. We read about disciples making disciples, Paul and Timothy, Elijah and Elisha. And here we have Samuel, verse 1. I could preach a whole message over Samuel 1, 3, but I'm just going to read it and pull out a couple things for you. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent visions. How many know that would be a sad world to live in? Where the word of the Lord was rare? I'm so thankful that the word of the Lord is not rare today. Because of the Holy Spirit and him sending us, sending the Holy Spirit to us, that we can actually hear the word every day. Isn't that awesome? I'm so thankful for that. And so, and, and, and yet, and yet with that kind of, with that kind of availability, it's still hard for us to sit there and listen to the Lord, isn't it? How much more, how much more um, you have little Samuel here and little Samuel is ministering to the Lord. How much harder would it be to minister to the Lord if you rarely heard from the Lord? I think that would be quite difficult. In verse 2, at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Where the ark of God was, he was lying down in the presence of God. Man, I love that. So much here. Verse 4, then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, here I am. And ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you call me. But, but Eli said, I, I did not call you. Go, go lie down. So he went and he laid down. Verse 6, and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. My son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he rose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in this place. It was such an equipping moment right there. You see the discipleship process, you, you have a younger boy and a man who's mentoring him, pouring into him. The man probably taught him how to minister to the Lord in the temple. He probably taught him how to lay down in the temple and sit in the presence of God. He probably taught him all these things. And here the boy hears the Lord and he runs up, he runs up to his mentor. He runs up to this guy and says, says here I am, here I am. And, and, and the mentor, Eli, had, had a, enough intuition, enough discernment to realize that it was, it was God who was speaking. So he instructed the boy on what to say. It's a, it's a, great, it's a great process for discipleship. Is, is that when you, when you have an, a, an availability and you start meeting with somebody, then, then they, they're able to pour into you and instruct you in the ways of the Lord. They're, they're able to speak into your life and be able to say, say, hey, I think that's a God moment for you. Hey, that's probably God speaking. You should, you should ask him. They, they keep pointing you back to Jesus over and over and over again. Verse 10, and the Lord came and stood calling at the other 
time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone hears it will tingle. He goes on and hears from the Lord, and Samuel becomes a great prophet, becomes a great man of God. It's amazing in, in these equipping moments to be available is, is absolutely important in relational discipleship. Because you're going to get the text message in the, the middle of the night texting you saying, saying, hey, I need something. Hey, the Lord spoke. Hey, here's what's going on in my life. And I think if you aren't available, you're going to miss the opportunities to impart what God has for other people around you and in your life. Availability is key for you in discipleship process. Availability is something that, that all of us can have. That all of us can have. So when the opportunity arises, we can speak. I, I think the next thing that we need to do is not only be available, but we need to be a watcher. We need to be a watcher. If you have your Bibles turned first, Corinthians 4, 15 through 17. Be a watcher, verse Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4, 15, it says this. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you, I encourage you, be imitators of me. For this reason, I have sent you to Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere. In every church, be a watcher. Be a watcher. That's a bold statement, isn't it, of Paul? To say, hey, hey, follow me. Follow me. Look at me. How many of you don't want people to look at you? You're like, please don't look at me. I am jacked up. I am, I am nothing. I mean, I mess up every day. Please don't look at me. Look at that guy. Look at J-Tom. You know, he's awesome. How many of you know that's intimidating to, to, to be an example for somebody to look at? And, and yet, it also seems a little arrogant from Paul, doesn't it? Hey, follow me. Hey, check this out. Look at this, man. Hey, hey, come, come over here. Look how awesome I am. Now, that, that would be great, but that was not Paul's heart. You see, Paul in Philippians 3.8, I mean, in the King James Version, it says, he says, Dallas and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may be with Christ. He, he, he counted everything but dung. I mean, that's, that's a crazy verbiage. I love that mental picture that everything, everything is worthless except for Christ. And, and when you start following somebody, when you start watching somebody, look for the people who value Jesus more than anything else in life. Look for the people who are always looking for Jesus. Look at the people who, who model Jesus. And I think that we need to be watchers as much as we need to be examples. That we need to look up to people who look like Christ. And we need to look around for people who need somebody to look up to and grab them. Studying people, I think that's the, that's the key. Watching people. If you want to be a great mom, look at a great mom. If you want to be a great dad, look to a great dad. If you want a great relationship and you're, and you're single and you're about to enter a dating relationship, look at somebody who has lived out a great relationship towards Christ. Look towards people 
Look towards towards people and look for those people who you think you want to be like and, and start start looking towards them and watching what they do. You know, I think we do it. Um, guys do it all the time, right? Sports Center. Sports Center. How many guys watch Sports Center? Yeah, okay, a few. We got a few guys. Right? We all watch Sports Center and we, we want to see how their swing is. And we want to see what they dress like. And we want to see what they do. And you got to see their swag. And when they get off the bus, what does it look like? And then you park your little Buick and you get out of your car and you start walking a different way. And you start modeling these things and, and you start doing all this because, because why? Because they're heroes. We want to be just like them and we want to swing like them and we want to do all this. And, and realize this, though. Your swing may not be just like theirs. It may be different. Your throw may be a little different, and your parenting may be a little different, and your discipline may be a little bit different, and, and the way you love your wife may be a little bit different, and the way you love your husband may be a little different, and the way you, you live pure as a single man or woman may be a little different, but, but you are watching people and looking at an example for you to live by. Man, I, when I was in youth ministry, there was a youth pastor. I thought he, I thought he hung the moon. He was awesome. Man, he had, he had an amazing wife. And when he preached, it, it was like this anointing God was out of his life. And every time he preached, it was like he was preaching to me. And, and, and I just loved him, and he was such an example. And I remember walking into this sanctuary that was in the shape of a box. And I remember walking into this sanctuary, and, and I would see him on the front row. And when I saw him worship, it was always two hands up just in complete surrender, complete abandonment to Jesus. I remember seeing that, and it did something to me. It did something to me because all of a sudden I felt, I felt like I could do that. I feel like I could do it unashamed, and I feel like I could worship Jesus in new ways. I feel like I felt so equipped from the moment and the way he lived his life, I felt equipped. He, he would sit on the front row, and he always had a notebook, and he always had a pen. And he would always take messages. And I was, I was this 15-year-old kid who would always fall asleep during the message. And I kept falling asleep. It was so boring. I was like, man, this guy is just old and irrelevant, man. He doesn't get me. But then I saw him taking notes, and I started bringing a notebook, and I started bringing a pen. And I started scribbling on there and reminding myself of things. And you know what I did? I quit sleeping during messages. And I actually started getting fed. And I actually started growing. And I actually started becoming more like Jesus because I was looking to this guy who looked to Jesus every day of his life. We, we, we must be watchers because in watching, we get equipped. In watching, you get equipped for ministry. You get equipped in everything you do. And lastly, I think we need to be a snatcher. We, mean, we need to be a snatcher. And I think you need to snatch some people. You need to snatch some people and say, hey, come here. And at the same time, you need to snatch people and say, hey, I need to follow you. We have to be a snatcher in both ways. Jude 1, 22 through 23. I love, love this verse. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. Snatching people out of the fire. There are, there are people around you who, who are living a life. Who they may know Jesus, but but they're living a life maybe not fully in Him. Maybe they're not following Him in everything they do. Maybe maybe they're messing up. Maybe maybe they're going out and partying every weekend, and, and they feel miserable and hopeless. Maybe maybe they're just out there. And and I love this verse because it gives me permission. Everybody say permission. It gives you permission to be a snatcher. 
to say, hey, hey, man, I know your life's hopeless. You come here and you start pulling them towards you. You say, hey, you can do this. Hey, man, Jesus has purpose for you. Hey, there's life beyond this. Hey, there's hope in him. Hey, you can do it and start calling people and texting people and loving people and snatching people. And I think if we're really going to make disciples in this church, we have to be snatchers in everything we do. Our setup team came up there here this morning. I'm so grateful for them. I'm so thankful for them. And they show up every week, and they, and they pour themselves out. But there's this culture right now in America where it's individualization. And I think individualization brings debilitation, where we end, up, we end up individualizing by getting our own iPad and our own iPhone, and we can self-entertain, and we can have our own little world, and we can do all this stuff. Where we end up, if, if we aren't careful, we're going to find ourselves alone. And that's what's been happening over and over again in our culture. People are more alone than they've ever been because they're isolated. And so I saw, I saw our setup team, and they're just coming doing work, man. They're awesome. They're doing great. One's over here. One's over there. One's in here. And I said, hey, guys, if you don't do this together, you're missing something. You need to snatch somebody up. Russ, you need to snatch Stephen. Stephen, you need to snatch Russ. Y'all need to do this together because as you set up, you're going to be able to encourage each other. And how's your week? How you doing really? No, no, not just the I'm doing fine, I'm doing good. No, how you doing? What's really going on in your life? And as you setting up a sign on Hebner Oaks so that other people can come to church this morning and hear the gospel, as you're doing that, you take a moment and say, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you right now. Pray for me. I need that. If we're going to be a church that truly makes disciples, disciples making disciples, we must snatch one another up so that we can encourage each other and love each other. We can't be alone in this fight. The worship team would come back up. I think it's so important. It's so important what God has set up. To be equipped is relational discipleship in our church. There's a lot of substitutes. There's a lot of things that we'll add. We'll add classes. We'll, we'll add different teachings. We'll, we'll put you on a night team. We'll, we'll, we'll teach you about Every Nation Leadership Institute and offer you that if you want to know more what theology and doctrine. We'll let you lead small groups and co-lead small groups. We'll, 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 let, you, we'll let you teach classrooms, and, and we'll equip you to do that, equip you as a co-teacher. I think we're going to do all that, and, and we're going to, we, we had an equipping class on pre-marriage and just telling people how, how to be married. It was awesome. But for us, that's, that's not the picture. It's not the big idea. For us, discipleship is relational. For us, it's when you, when you see that college student, you invite them over to your house and say, I want to cook for you. For us, it's when you see somebody just move to the city, you see that they have no friends, you say, hey, I want, I want to be your friend. I want to hang out. For, for us, it's relational. For us, for us, it has to be relational. We're not trying to create a network of friendships. They're all intentional. Everything in our relationships are intentional because we're believing that God moments are going to happen in these relationships. You know, the disciples were no different. They were following Jesus relationally. They were hanging out with him. They were sleeping with him, eating with him. And 
I know culturally we, we don't do life like they did back then. Culturally, it looks a little different. And so our cultural context is a little different, but this is what the disciples were doing. They were hanging out with Jesus. And when they had a question, they would just ask. There was no fear in asking. In Luke 11, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. That was just one of many questions I'm sure the disciples asked Jesus. Hey, we, we see you pray. We're, we're seeing all this. But can you teach us to do that? And I think for you is there are people in this room in our discipleship process who want to teach you how to hear from God. They want to teach you to read your Bible. They want to teach you how to pray. They want to teach you how to, how to love a spouse. They want to teach you how to raise your kids. They want to teach you about the things of the Father. They want to teach you what it is to have character and real character. And I believe, I believe if we're going to be a church that makes disciples, we must, we must equip each other. We must point each other to Jesus. If you would stand with me this morning, and I think there's no greater place to start than this place. That we would remind ourselves over and over again of what it means to be closer. You can only give what you have in. You can only give what you have in. And so in this moment, we get to we get to draw closer to Jesus. So that when we go to lunch, we get to point somebody to Jesus. Because we were just with him. So, Father, we love you, God, this morning, and we just, we thank you for who you are, God, and we praise you. Lord, I just pray, God, in this few moments, Lord, God, that you would let us draw closer to you. Let us draw closer to you. And as always, when we draw closer to you, we will draw closer to one another. We love you, Jesus. Amen.